Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability. We also discussed truth here, and I am an incest and rape survivor, and sometimes I discuss that here. Other topics of conversation will include spirituality, uh, tarot, Buddhism, Christianity, agnosticism, atheism, mm, capitalism, <laughs> solitude, BDSM, kink, willful education, foster care, emancipation, and uh, let's see, you should be over 18. These are adult themes I'm going to be discussing, and a lot of this might be triggering to you as well. So you're going to have to use your discernment, figure out if this is going to be a fit for you. Might be that you got a day where th these topics might be a little triggery. Might also be that's exactly what you need to hear right now. So come on in. The parlor's fine. Let's see. And I'm taking it pretty easy on a Sunday night, so I'll be a little bit mellow. And let's see, tonight it was marshmallow and uh, mangolicious. I smoked mangolicious and marshmallow strain. And they're quite nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is the weekend of 420, by the way. I discuss cannabis and marijuana. Let's see. There were a bunch of specials, but I went the day before the special on the 19th. I called four places, found the best prices I could, and went and got that. And um, even though I have to drive a far way to get to it, it was a great price for a good product. And um, they have a points program as well. Anyway... I digress. So these are some practical things that I have to consider now and again. Um, so these topics might be triggering to you. And by the way, I follow the law and my theory and my rule is, uh, you know, as long as everybody's over 18, whatever you're talking about is legal and everybody's consenting. Laissez-faire motherfucker. You know what I mean? Anyway, so um, although I might be a person who chooses autonomy more often than not or, or contemplation before taking action, um, well, there's all kinds of ways to get to the same point, I suppose. So, these are some things you might want to consider before coming on into the parlor. If mental health stuff is kicking up for you, uh, please use your discernment and consider going to a licensed board-certified therapist, someone who can give you context clues and help you figure out and discern what might be your best treatment options if you've got some PTSD, if you've got some uh, grief to process. I have to tell you, a year or two of therapy with grief processing really helped me get through the woods on some hard things. Um, let's see. Consider going to a licensed board certified therapist. That is not me. Uh, you can try to find someone local in your area. Or if you don't have anyone to talk to and you've got class, there's a disparity and you have a hard time affording therapy. There's 1-800 numbers. I'll have a couple 1-800 numbers in my notes after we're done uh, recording this preamble, and I get to the meat of the the topic for the night. Yeah, uh, you're worth it, and you got to figure out how to take care of yourself. And sometimes it's one day at a time, motherfucker. Let me tell you what. Uh, okay. Oh, there's also some information about 12-step, most likely uh, adult children of alcoholics, and Al-Anon is a pretty fitting uh, set to go with, I think, on that. Okay. So, and I'll have a reference to a 12-step group in my notes here. Uh, you can download my podcast, get notes on the podcast, also make a donation to me to help with uh, five bucks a month or ten bucks a month. 
I'm considering doing tarot readings or having one-on-one sessions just to kind of let people vent and give them my perspective and just, you know, kind of be a supportive mentor perhaps on whatever they might be processing, especially with ghosts or the paranormal. Um, so there's options out there, but go ahead and get on over to anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. Now, um, Anchor.fm has gone through a name change, now Spotify for podcasters, but Anchor.fm should be auto-forwarding to the new address. But same thing, uh, six of one, half dozen of another. You can go over there and check it out. Uh, I'd like that. That'd make me feel good. And also, this is to honor my ancestors here at the house on Valencia Street. And the house on Valencia Street is a place we lived between the 70s and 80s while I was growing up in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, The house is very, very haunted. Several family members saw ghosts in this house. I have family members in their 60s. I'm in my 50s and we're still talking about this house and we're not talking to each other. So (laughs) in my case, I live a more humble life as a Buddhist. And I, you know, with recent events with the Dalai Lama, I have some concerns about boundaries on that. Um, Although I'm still embrace Buddhism in a lot of ways. Um, That being the case, a lot of my family, we have different values Although we still think about this house and talk about, you know, what room was it in that you saw that ghost? We still talk about it. So the house on Valencia Street is a place where I can talk about what actually happened. And we had a pedophile or two in my family and I didn't get justice for my rapist. And we have intergenerational issues with incest and rape and boundaries. Uh, Many times people with money, uh, especially exploiting gender, race or socioeconomic demographic privilege, took advantage of people that were vulnerable in my family and it was usually gendered and it was usually class oriented. So uh, I like to explore and talk about it just to kind of think about the themes and ways to survive. And I think I'm going to be introducing a new kind of chunker text, a new section to the podcast today. I think I'm trying to figure out the name on it, but we'll figure it out. Uh, Let's see. It's uh, April 23rd, 2023, nine o'clock on a Sunday night. Hey, Uh, Tonight, the focus is going to be tools, tools, uh, tips and tricks. Uh, What would it be? Spiritual help, uh, practical gifts. Uh, I've gone through this a little bit with uh, Tara Brock, talking through the RAIN process of recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, when you've got feelings or you're distracted. Let's say, for example, you're confronting someone who abused you as a kid or you find yourself complaining and bitching out a sister that you have that has plenty of money, but she sacrificed some ethical and moral boundaries that you're not willing to sacrifice in order to get that money. So you find yourself getting angry at that person instead of going, wow, I'm struggling to find work and it's been, I've been hunting for a while and that's really frustrating to me. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to compromise myself the way she did. And then I'm like judging and shaming, blah, blah, blah. So you have to sit there and refocus Tara Brock's, Rain process helps me with that when I'm finding myself going, oh, I'm processing some negative emotion. What's that about? And then you go through it and then you nurture yourself and you refocus, right? It's a really helpful tool for people who get distracted with PTSD, right? Here's another set of tools that I thought we might talk about. Part of it is just identifying the process because as a childhood trauma survivor um, or childhood trauma uh, survivor and person going through a healing You have behaviors that are really common for childhood trauma. For example, perfectionism is something I struggled with. And when I worked for Fortune 100 software companies, it was something that um, 
I wanted to be perfect because I was looking for a new family because my family was so toxic. And then I ended up going to a company, a Fortune 100 company, where the white male inherited uh, leader of that organization, who's a public darling, uh, had sex with one of his employees, married one of his employees. They just divorced recently. Three other women employees acknowledge having a relationship. So he would he had sex with at least four of his employees. He's not stepping down. Everybody's just fine with it. That guy's a multi-billionaire. Okay. And, you, you know, you're going into an environment where it's just, you're not going to be treated fair. And so you have to just acknowledge that you have to focus elsewhere or try to figure out a way to be okay with the process and be okay to be present. Because if you try to confront stuff that you don't have power to fix, it can drive you uh, to frustration, right? So what I like to do when I'm in that situation, I feel like I'm chewing on something and I'm struggling and uh, maybe my resources are limited as I do research, I read books, uh, I do journaling, I do meditation and prayer, I visualize what I want. I'm bringing you a little bit of, I wouldn't call it gospel, I'm bringing you a little bit of, here's a couple tools that are going to help you potentially process or identify what uh, symptoms you might have that you don't understand might be a symptom of your childhood trauma. And let's see, to do so, let's see, did I get through all the points that I needed to in the preamble? I think so. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get to it. So, today we're talking about a guy named Patrick, Patrick Tihon. T, as in like, you know, T for two and two for T, like that. T-E-A-H-A-N as in Nancy. Patrick Tihon. Uh, this person is a licensed social worker and they have a YouTube channel under that name, Patrick Tihon. I'll go ahead and link that in the notes. Today, uh, the uh, YouTube I'm going through, it was about an hour. Um, I just sat through and listened to it. I picked out about three or four points that I think are real useful. Uh, he had 11 on this one. And so this particular video from the social worker is 11 Oddly Specific Childhood Trauma Issues. The title of this is 11 Oddly Specific Childhood Trauma Issues from Patrick Tihon, licensed social worker who has a YouTube channel. And he's got like near a million or two people. And I'm like, wow, you know, whenever I stumble in with the logarithms and I stumble into someone and I go, number one, you know, either A, I don't want that topic, you know, what the heck. And then you go, wow, that's, this person has 25 million, you know, followers on YouTube. And you're like, what? you know and then you find someone and they have millions of followers and you've never heard of them and you're like where have you been all my life well anyway i'm looking forward to getting to know patrick t Hahn's content because they're new to me this past week um but let's talk about some of the specific childhood trauma issues that you may or may not have as a someone who survived childhood trauma here's one right here uh this is from his uh title his list of 11 Emotional delay, and I was experiencing this this week, and I'll give you a firm example of this. Let me go through the definition according to Mr. Tihon. You don't have a reply right now, and then later it catches up with you. So, for example, let's say you said yes to a commitment, and before you started thinking about it and going through the process of the time it would take, you said yes because you're a people pleaser. And then you end up feeling anger and resentment later, right? So, for example... I'm still processing emotionally delayed feelings about one of my sisters, the French one, uh, because she's got a lot of money and I'm struggling just to, you know, cover basics. And so sometimes I find that when I'm frustrated to find work or, you know, hunting for work, I'll kick into working her inventory because I, 
I'm processing emotions and I, I'm like, I would never sacrifice it. You know, so I have to get into that instead of focusing on problem solving for work. Right. So, but I don't think it's qualifying for an emotional delay, although it's been years and I'm still processing it. <laughs> but then I'm also talking to her daughter. He's talking to me about abuse in the last year or two and it's hard. So it kind of lights it all back up. But anyway, emotional delay is when you walk through something and you get through it because you were, you were built in trauma, you were a child in trauma and you just get through it. And then it collapses a little bit later. So let's say you had a fight with someone on a Tuesday and you were in kind of trauma mode and just trying to get through and survive. Then you wake up on a Wednesday and you've got all these strong feelings about it. So um, a part of the emotional delay issue, and it's called emotional delay, the symptom of a childhood trauma issue you might have, um, is that we disassociate because we've been abused. So we'll kind of click out of our body and then just not feel it and like look somewhere else, look at the wall, look anywhere, but what's happening to us as being abuse survivors. Uh, so disassociation and hypervigilance. So you're going to have sleeping problems because the place that's supposed to be healing is unsafe and you get struck when you're at your most vulnerable. Uh, being a rape survivor who was raped or woke up being raped, I have a cousin who was in the army who was raped by her, her manager in the army and she's still has PTSD and, and is struggling, you know, uh, and she's in her 50s and 60s now. So sleep gets really tricky for people who survive what we survive. And that's just part of surviving. You know, I think that also happens with um, uh, veterans from the war as well. You have a hard time being present in your body because of disassociation and hypervigilance, which are two of the responses to that early childhood trauma. Um, being present in your body is hard. Uh, you're caught in a thinking place. You're more into mental processing because it's a safe place for you to go. And with my 150 IQ, that was haven. I could just stick in my brain the whole damn time. And I know, I know the context there. I can create the whole thing there, right? So I love this concept. Practice discussing emotions when they came up or come up and do that with safe people. So when you have an emotional delay and it takes you a day or two to process, one way to fix that is to talk to people who you can talk to your emotions about when they come up, as they come up in a safe, neutral environment. Okay. Now, an example I'll say of emotional delay that I experienced as a trauma survivor this week is I really struggle because financially I have poverty issues and sometimes groceries are expensive. Uh, I couldn't afford groceries last month. I can't afford groceries this month. So I got a plan for it. I can cover oil change. I can cover a, a gallon of gas. I can't cover maintenance. So that when I go to the grocery store, it's complicated because I would be on the maintenance program and when I had the money, I had the maintenance and I had the insurance and I don't have that now. So there's all these struggling feelings that are, are class oriented, but also social anxiety disorder oriented. So for example, I got a month's worth of groceries this week. It took me about three hours to get outside the door. I kept um, distracting myself. I kept like fighting with my fr French one, the sister who's my French one. I was sitting there processing emotion. I catch myself and go, what is this? Maybe like, this is class issue. She doesn't have to worry about groceries. I do. I'm angry about that. And I go, that's okay. Let's go ahead and focus on getting the socks. What kind of socks do you want to wear? You know, so I can I refocus constantly like a child kind of, or like a, a parent redirecting a child. They also call that self-parenting. First things first with emotional delay, be around people that are going to appreciate that. For example, it took me three hours to get outside the door, then do the groceries and then get everything, come back home. And then that night it was four or five hours of just being checked out. 
I just had to like play video games and smoke weed. And part of it was, I couldn't talk about it, but I was uncomfortable with being around all those people and feeling kind of trapped. And, uh, you know, I wanted more options and I was feeling a bit sad, you know, so part of the way I, I spent six to eight hours before and after getting groceries, trying to process what was going on there. And there were several layers to it, but it took me after three or four hours and I was sitting there going, what am I doing? I'm checking out. I'm checking out. I'm disassociating, you know? So then I have to kind of go, okay, what's going on? Part of it's allowing it to happen. Sometimes I just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to let this happen now. What's the bare minimum I have to do? I have to eat. I have to brush my teeth, that type of thing. So part of it's discussing emotionally with other people you trust. Part of it is learning how to redirect yourself constantly. And in my experience with therapy, 10 years of therapy, that's part of the process, right? So some other solutions or treatments for emotional delay. And like, for example, I struggle with shame about my emotional delay around getting groceries and my social anxiety disorder and my poverty level income stuff. There's a, pardon me, my phone's making knock, knock noises. Um, I got a text, pardon me. Being patient with myself and understanding sometimes it's going to take four or five hours of extra emotional processing that I'm not quite conscious of before and after. And I feel very ashamed about that, although that's how I got to get through it when I get groceries every other month or once a month, right? Um, I do have an emotional delay and social situations like that can cause me to kind of check out for several hours and I have to manage that. So also just accepting that's who I am, you know, and that uh, to be patient and try to be nurturing, right? That's an option too. Um, Another treatment option is uh, inner child work. You can explore inner child dialoguing by using a non-dominant hand and taking a journal and trying to say, how do I feel? Because a lot of times we're not really sure. Uh, support groups are great, especially for emotional delay. Al-Anon and 12-step, uh, ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, this particular social worker recommends those two 12-step groups to help you get connected to your feelings, especially if there's alcoholism or addiction in the family. So here's another common symptom. This is a specific childhood trauma issue that you may or may not realize you have. Rushing nowhere. This particular social worker therapist calls it rushing nowhere or um, zero chill. You can't relax, right? So for example, do you find yourself walking too fast uh, and really being like in a rush to get something done without really needing to rush, right? So for an example, my mother, I can remember being in her 40s and me being in my teens, walla walla, um, walking around the neighborhood or what have you. She walked, they called her Speedo. Her nickname was Speedo because she just zoom, zoom, zoomed. She was, go, she was walking everywhere. She walked really fast. I had, to, I had to really struggle to keep up with her. And I was half of her age, you know, and yet here we were going and she just was zoom, zoom, zooming. So uh, she was one of the fastest walkers I had known. Uh, and... Uh, she was also getting beat into the hospital and told she deserved it and nearly raped at work. So part of that is trauma. And she was also traumatized as a child with incest herself. So rushing nowhere and having zero chill, like is walking too fast. Every That's a symptom is walking too fast. My mother did that when she was in the throes of her abuse, of being abused. Um, treating basic things like they are life and death. So for example, um, this might also be a symptom of neurodivergent symptom, like uh, autistic spectrum. So there are other, this symptom can be several things, not only one thing. Um, but some of the causes of rushing nowhere are shame and hypervigilance, and they can make us want to rush. So for example, 
if we make one false move, everything's going to blow to hell. It's going to be a huge consequence. Another part of that rushing nowhere is imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not worthy and feeling like you have to earn it and also like you're constantly exposed or like someone thinks you're guilty. I have a friend who shower named Nameless to protect their anonymity who the, there's been half a dozen times you've been in the car easily driving around and there's been two or three times if a police officer goes by she's got the best driving record of anybody I know okay she's a peaceful peaceful person but if a cop car goes by when we're in the car together she'll be like oh I didn't do it I'm sorry officer oh no you know she'll have, assume that she's gonna get pulled over she's worried she's gonna get pulled over and she's a very peaceful normal looking you wouldn't she wouldn't stand out she's just and you sit there and go, what is that, right? What what the hell is that? Because <laughs> I feel it too. And it's weird to see it exhibited and go, oh, I can speak to that. I feel that too. Anyway, um, that hypervigilance or that feeling like if you take one cell, you know, either you're guilty and you got to prove yourself innocent or, um, you know, the cops are coming and I apologize. I'm getting some texts on my phone and that's just happening. So yeah, this is a professional podcast. Let me tell you. Okay. Rushing nowhere. That's a symptom potentially of imposter syndrome. And that some of the causes shame and hypervigilance, uh, imposter syndrome, feeling like you don't deserve it. Like you're not competent. I struggled with that constantly. I was certified network administrator. My company spent 10 grand getting me that certification and sending me and paying for per diem and the, the motel and everything i didn't i was doing that i was doing it i was fixing it they were competent they were functional i didn't feel worthy right also with race gender and socioeconomic bias uh people with black skin brown skin uh women were told that we aren't competent even though we're outperforming people just to be seen as equal right so yeah dialoguing okay so um, I'm going to have to turn off my phone here. <laughs> oh my gosh, here we go. Uh, thank you so much for your patience. I'll go ahead and go to airplane mode. Turn on. Okay, we we'll, shouldn't have any knocking now. Okay, <clears throat> thanks for your patience. So, Russian Nowhere, I've got that one where I want to get everything fixed as quick as I can. Uh, and one phrase I'm common to say is, uh, my sheer will has overcome my physical capacity on several occasions. That and the will of God in my perception. But there's times where I sit there and go, I don't know that you had the confidence or the knowledge to do that, but you were confident enough and you just did it. And I'm like, okay, riding a horse bareback, that type of thing, getting into a trollop and, a, you know, uh, getting on full gallop, not knowing what I was doing, just it felt right, you know, that kind of thing. I think sometimes we're guided intuitively, even though we don't think that we're worthy, right? So. Some of the treatments for rushing nowhere and feeling that imposter syndrome are potentially dialoguing with your inner child, journaling, non-dominant handwriting, directly talking to them. So let's see. Here's another one. They've got one is a refrigerator buzz depression where you're just so used to the depression as a protective coat against um, trauma that you don't realize what it's like to not be depressed until you're in a different environment with different people. Right. So you're so shut down uh, growing up, you didn't have a reference point for a healthy median level. So um, you could have a protective response of depression when you feel trapped. Uh, many times alcoholism or hopelessness or depression or feeling trapped uh, in an abusive relationship because of socioeconomic demographic bias with gender, potentially. Um, there was a lot of ways to treat that feeling of depression. You, talking to a therapist is great. When you start doing therapy, when you start evaluating the problem, usually it's going to be more uncomfortable for a while until it gets better. 
right? Um, so treatment would be therapy with a licensed therapist, journaling, et cetera, um, support groups as well. And I'll offer one last point while we're rounding out here because we're running out of time. But um, number four is being tired is a trigger. And again, there's 11 points that Mr. Patrick Tihan, licensed social worker, discusses in the YouTube uh, hour-long seminar, I guess I would say, on identifying triggers or uh, childhood trauma symptoms. But I'm just, I'm just going through a couple of them that I've been ruminating on today. The last one I'll offer is number four, being tired is a trigger. This I have a real hard time with that. Sleep is a big issue, just like food is a big issue when you're a trauma and incest or rape survivor or a PTSD survivor. I will go until I drop. Uh, it's really confusing to me to monitor my body with sleep. And uh, so here's actually, I like the way that he described this here. Um, people have addiction issues. You get addicted to being uh, in coping mode, right? So as a childhood trauma survivor, you can be addicted to productivity and you're constantly on a mission. You're trying to find a solution. Uh, and you can see tired as being a failing, like you're not good enough and you might, uh, perhaps you were abandoned while you were sleeping or perhaps you didn't feel uh, you didn't feel comfortable because the fights would happen when you were sleeping. I can remember being four and five years old and waking up to chairs flying through the air because my stepdad was in drunken rage at my mother before she went to a hospital you know, that's what sleep is. And so you're not physically safe in your environment. So you are, don't want to ever get tired. You know, you can't get tired. And so you, you have a hard time monitoring that because you were just in survival mode, right? So neglected children get attached to coping mechanisms. So they'll sit there and do something over and over and over again, like OCD. I've seen that behavior also in professional musicians. There's a particular violinist I know who's a gambling addict who uh, was a quartet and then he made a big mess out of someone's inheritance and left and he's in a different state. I think it's Arizona now. And he's got a new partner and I wonder if she's got an inheritance too. He's quite the charming fellow. I digress. So um, he was had OCD, although he was a brilliant musician, but he would be in a coffee shop with me and he couldn't have a carpet with an overturned corner. He had to stop the conversation and turn the corner over and then continue the conversation because he needed to line things up because it was compulsive behavior. So um, I suspect he had been abused as a kid as well. Um, but you see tired as being a failing and you're not good enough. So neglected kids get attached to coping mechanisms and they aren't parented around basic things like um, taking a shower, uh, getting sleep, uh, eating healthy food like that, see? So these are a couple of things I've been kind of ruminating on and um, I don't have solutions, but I sit there and I go, oh, I do that or I'm in the middle of doing that. And then you go, what are your options? I can refocus. Uh, my Buddhism and meditation work has really uh, helped me to perceive contrast differently. And I'm very, very grateful. Daily meditation has been really just getting silent. You know, it really helps. So thank you for letting me ruminate and talking about uh, some options when it comes to surviving childhood trauma and solutions for getting through it um, and knowing you're not alone. And here at the house on Valencia Street, Please understand you're not alone, and I'm glad you're here, and you'll never be alone. Uh, not at the house on Valencia Street. Maybe you will survive like I did, yeah? Here at the house on Valencia Street, you're never alone, and sometimes it's whether you like it or not.